Thanks for tuning into this week's Red Voices, ladies and gentlemen. Hope you're all well after Sunday afternoon's casual half-battering of David Moyes' Sunderland, which suggests that whilst we're a bit rubbish at Old Trafford, we're all right away from it. Richard, um, rarely has the phrase, can we play you every week, been quite so adept as it was this afternoon at the Stadium of Light against Sunderland. Absolutely. They were absolutely awful, weren't they? They had, they'd now only scored in one of the last 11 Premier League games. And I see, this is the thing, though. We've been speaking about this so much. You kept doing it. Rob Dawson did it as well from the <laughs> Manchester Evening News. I just couldn't. I, no, I just found myself thinking, we've heard this so many times this season. Just as much as we've heard, all right, the teams above us are playing each other, so they're going to drop points. We've got to make sure we take advantage this time. Just thinking, oh, this team's on a terrible run of form. Let's make sure we take advantage. This is not going to come back and bite us in the backside at any point whatsoever. I think, um, as you say, I've done this statistics thing a few times before games. And generally speaking, I've listed some terrible statistics about the opposition team and they've turned out to be better than, slightly better or, or significantly better in the case of Bournemouth and their stats suggest. And I th- think today was the absolute opposite phenomenon. Um, Sunderland were, were actually worse than the statistics suggest. It's really, really, really hard to take anything more wide ranging from this game apart from the fact that we played an absolutely awful team and beat them easily because they're awful. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of uh, interesting takes in the in, in the post match. One of them I saw was you know having a go at United fans for moaning about the fact that we've just won a game three 0 against a team that had taken points off Liverpool and Spurs this season. But as as you mentioned there, this Sunderland team are absolutely bloody wretched. I mean, a perfect example of their mentality right before kickoff. <laughs> Sky reports are asking David Moyes about the current situation and saying. You know, you were talking about the fact that at some point you're going to have to start winning games. Is today that point? No, we should have started winning games six months ago. Yeah, I think the I think I think um, I th- it broke me. I think I think the best thing that we can take from today is the Schadenfreude, isn't it? Really? Oh yeah. Both, both in terms of the the Sunderland fans who posnand around after we lost the lost the title in the last seconds against City, against City, and just to see Moise's glum face. Just, it's just a, a very small moment of retribution for the terrible crap fest he inflicted on us for eight or nine months. And his terrible negativity. This is true. I mean, to be fair, Sunderland cannot say they were not warned about this. You know, His uh, his time at United and Real Sociedad were certainly cautionary tales. And given the way that he has gone about his task up on Wearside, it's not necessarily gotten any better. And... You know, they've been skirting around the relegation zone for far too long now, and it seems like Moyes is the man who's finally going to be taking them down. And to be fair, couldn't happen to a nicer bloke. So there's that. But yeah, I mean, there's some properly wretched performance there over the last few years. I mean, the last time he won there was when Moyes was in charge, and you know, Adnan got that wonderful goal. Season after that, drew one all. Last season, lost two one in uh, what was essentially one of several nadirs during that top four quest last season under Van Gaal. But yeah, today was remarkably easy for the most part. You know, there were there were several flashpoints in that game where it looked like we didn't necessarily know what we were doing defensively and a better team would have punished us. And we said that plenty of times during this season. But United kind of went about it very casually after they got that first goal. You know, it... it it never necessarily felt like we were out, you know, we were out of control of that game. You know, we knew what we were doing. I mean, it, I think it speaks a lot of just how rubbish Sunderland are that it was essentially just a stroll button in the end, really, wasn't it? But at the same time, it was a game that needed winning, and we've struggled to do that plenty this season. So it was nice to see us finish off with three goals, Rich. Three clean goals. 
They were. I think I think you're right in that it's it's really strange watching United at the moment. We've got a team who prior to today were twenty games undefeated in the league, which by any measure is pretty obscene, but who go into every game looking incredibly lacking in confidence. And I think today showed that as well for a really up into the first goal. I thought we, we, we were reasonable but we it always looked we always looked a bit on edge and we didn't look uh, our passing wasn't crisp and it wasn't firm and we weren't you know, moves weren't quite coming off. And I think the, the first goal really made a lot of difference to our confidence levels and and while I don't think we played incredibly well after that, we certainly had a bit more swagger after the goal and obviously the sending off is I don't even think sending off was a key moment in the game because I'm not sure Sunderland had it in them to come back anyway. But you never know. And you know, once that happened, it was a it was a stroll, and it's 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 difficult to tell today whether we really took our foot off the pedal with Thursday in mind because obviously with all of our rivals above us winning yesterday, the chance of top four is getting increasingly remote. And it just looked like we you know we were cruising for most of that game. And to be honest, if we'd been a bit more sh- sharp, we could have put five or six past Sunderland in the end. This is true. How have we not discussed the starting lineup yet and the sight of Captain Fantastic in the starting lineup? That was absolutely amazing. I mean, I don't like using the word banter in general, so I'm going to use it, you know, in, in quotes, but it proves once and for all that the banter is really still going strong. What a remarkable team sheet. It was, but if, if if you think, obviously, Fellaini chosen as captain and Mark Ogden pointed out that he was probably chosen because he's the longest serving player on yeah, the pitch. Yeah, I know, I, yeah. And yeah. If, you, if you think he's the first signing from post, in, in the post-Ferguson era, and you look at that team on, on paper and, you know, reality, there's there's not a great deal of top-class quality in that, in that side. You know, the, there's a lot of distinctly average or above-average players on the pitch for United at the moment, they've all been bought after Ferguson left. So they've all been bought in the last three years. We've spent, brought in all those players and spent all that money. And we're still in a position where Marion Fellaini is playing, eh? <laughs> and, he's, and, and he's captain and the, the team is still incredibly average. So, I mean, that, I think that, that was quite a nice, it was quite a nice metaphor for our post-Ferguson transfer business. Yeah, I mean, to be fair, he did fine, I thought. I mean, he had a fairly solid game. I mean, perhaps one pass in the first half where I think he didn't quite slip in the guitar and when it would have been easier not to do so. But apart from that, no, the, you know, he's still an incredibly slow-moving unit with a turning circle of a mop, but still, you know remarkable to see him chucking another relatively adept performance you know he was sat back you know, deeper than Herrera and Pogba allowed those two to push up a little bit further not that it necessarily made for a more fluent attack but no as, as a performance from Fellaini I'll take that more often than a, than I'll refuse it put it that way I don't think you can ever accuse him of not putting every ounce of effort into his performances and you know we've discussed before that his limitations as a footballer and the fact he gets picked aren't his fault um, he always mm. gives absolutely everything, and he does have, I think he does have some use as a squad option. But I, I think he's just kind of symbolic of the the poor uh, transfer business or relatively poor transfer business we've done since Ferguson left. Having said that, I think whether I mean, we'll probably talk about in more detail about how the season's going and Mourinho is performing. But I think there's one thing that Mourinho will do, even if he doesn't necessarily succeed on the pitch with this, is that he'll leave us with a better squad than than we started with. You know, the best, the first two goals, and the, they were both very impressive goals, were scored by two of the players he he signed. And 
Eric Bailly had another pretty assured, with, with the exception of one moment in let Annie Chibi get away from him, but he had another pretty assured game. But, <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. that is pretty damning, isn't it? But 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 generally speaking, you know, you, you could see his class in in recent games. He's still quite raw, but he, he's clearly got talent. And I would back Mourinho to again improve the squad in the in the next transfer window, in summer transfer window. So I think it's more damning of LVG and, and Moyes in terms of their recruitment that you know that, that the team we had on the pitch were quite average and that Fellaini was the most experienced player there, or the most experienced United <laughs> player there. Yeah, I mean, going back to Bayi, I would definitely back Mourinho to improve him further. You know, he's, he's had a good couple of weeks since coming back into the squad, and it's been mentioned a couple of times that Mourinho sort of stumbled onto what appears to be, at this point, touching wood, um, that Rojo and Bayi is the least worrisome partnership. I'm not going to say best, because I'm not necessarily sure it's the word I'm searching for, but Rocco and Bailly seems like the, yeah, as I said, the, the least worrisome partnership in the sense that you don't have to be so concerned with them because they are adept enough at being central defenders that we shouldn't concede too many goals or concede too many chances. Having said that, before Zlatan did get that rather nice curling shot in, uh, there was that chance for Anichibi who was you know, rushed back into the side, as Moyes mentioned before the game. Turned in pretty easily and Bai did leave his foot there and Anichibi probably wasn't going to go down because it wasn't quite enough contact. But yeah, that, 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 and Romero did very, very well to send it over. You know, He had another decent game, did old Sergio, stepping in for Dave today. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't think there's a better second choice goalkeeper in the Premier League, which you'd expect given that he's the Argentina national goalkeeper, even if they don't have enormous depth in that position and I don't think he's ever really let us down Ooh, um, oh hang on no no um, I, I must have I'm, I've probably forgotten something terrible he hasn't let us down recently he hasn't I don't think he's let us recently, down recently yeah this I mean, season he's grief. not let us down don't, don't start this now please <laughs> yeah this season this season or, or recently I don't feel that he's let us down when he's played certainly not not particularly in the Europa League he hasn't dropped any absolutely desperate clangers and I think he had another solid game today and that was that was the standout moment from his performance I think the best thing about Romero at the moment is you don't particularly notice him unless he unless he has to make a you know really high class save he's he's taking crosses he's holding shots keenly he's, he's, he's almost doing the things that David De Gea isn't quite doing at the moment or hasn't quite done in the last few weeks <clears throat> the mention of Dave having a, a bit of an injury uh, well just a knock a sun description falling down his side during the Everton game I think it was so I mean, it's not much of a problem for Mourinho at this point anyway, because as he mentioned, Romero's going to be starting against Anderlecht on Thursday anyway. So, I mean, that'll be an interesting one. Imagine if we get to the final and Romero's basically been our Europa League keeper. Does he then not play De Gea in the final? I, I think I think he'd play Romero. He was interviewed after the game. Mourinho was interviewed after the game today and he didn't explicitly say that Romero would play in, in the final if we got there, but he made it pretty clear that Romero is his Europa League goalkeeper. Um, mm. And I think he's done enough this season that Mourinho shouldn't be shouldn't have any concern that he wouldn't be reasonably firm and you know in control in, in the final if he needed to play. I think yeah. I think in terms of personnel for for a final like that that would be one of the positions I'd worry about the least. Well, I mean, we've got that. We're dining in hypothetical town right now, Rich, because there's four games to go, and there's absolutely no assurance that we're going to get anywhere near Stockholm just yet. Despite the fact that, for some reason, some sort of confidence within the fan base that we can get through, <laughs> which I'm not sure is quite based on our home form. But there we go. Hopefully, of course, I'd love us to get through that. Be absolutely fantastic. Anyway, yes, Zatanna. Uh, despite having another troublesome, irksome 
first half in which his passing was absolutely turgid for the most part. The link, telepathic link between him and Jesse Lingard is non-existent to less than non-existent. But my word, didn't he take that goal well? He did, and I think this is the um, endearing contradiction in Zlatan Ibrahimovic. Mm -hmm. He's capable of doing the absolute sublime, and I don't think there's another footballer on that pitch that could have scored that goal in that way. Oh, Lord, no. You know, he, he, he received the ball with his back to goal just outside the area, and he had two Sunderland players on his back. And to be able to turn that quickly and hit a shot with that accuracy and that power, I mean, literally that ball had to be, it's a cliche, but that ball had to be in the postage stamp to beat Jordan Pickford, and it was. Yeah. Um, there's not there's not another football on the pitch who could have scored that goal. And obviously later on he assisted Rashford for his for his goal. But in between, <laughs> it, it, his performance was a bit of a mess. Um, you know, his, <laughs> yeah. his passing wasn't, wasn't coming off. You know, United broke numerous times in the second half against 10 men and his final ball was poor until the Rashford won. So you've got, you've just got this, this contradiction all the time of this football. And, and also, you know, he was just jogging about. He clearly wasn't putting a great deal of effort in for periods of that game. And he did actually say post-match that he spends a lot of time in games conserving his energy. And that's how he's able to play so many games at his age, at such a standard. But, you know, that's why Mourinho can't afford to drop him because he can do that. And, and we don't have another player who can produce a goal like that out of nothing. And that's that's been a huge part of our problem this season because in the past we've had great players who, even if the team isn't functioning, can score a sensational goal out of nowhere or, or do something above the ordinary, which leads to a goal. And we just don't have that. We don't have that quality of player really anywhere else in the front line. You know, and I, I don't... Whilst United were on top, we've had a few scary moments. We'd given away quite a few set pieces. we sort of within 25, 30 yards of goal. And Anachibi had that chance. We weren't... We didn't look entirely comfortable. And we didn't look assured going forward either, even though we'd had the majority of the ball. Well, and we that, weren't really creating. That was the big thing. We weren't thing, creating you know. it. And that goal came out of absolutely nowhere. And I think that made a huge difference to our psychology after it. Um, and I think if if there's something that Zlatan's done this season, it's he has scored goals and done things at key moments in some games. And he has missed a lot of chances as well. But, but at key moments in some games, he's done something which has elevated the confidence of the rest of the players. And I think that was a very good example of it today. Sure. I mean mentioned it there we just weren't creating up until that goal it was huge in the context of that game to get ahead you know obviously what happened afterwards with uh, Sebastian Larson's red card which we'll come on to soon had a massive impact on the game you know when you when you Sunderland in the bottom of the Premier League staring down the barrel of relegation with no way out you know to go one nil down at home and then go uh, you know down to 10 men that was essentially game over you know it's not like they completely gave up the ghost at that point but as a contest the, the game was done they haven't scored a league goal in two months. You know, you can imagine. Yes, but you know, we've said this so many times, Rich, in the sense that all these wonderful stats backing up and everything. I guess at one point it had to turn out that we weren't the team that were going to inspire someone to score and actually perform. <laughs> That's true. But in terms of the Sunderland team psychology, you know, if you think well, they haven't scored a goal in two months, you go a goal behind. In your mind, you can't win that game anymore because yeah. you, you don't score enough goals. And you could see the psychology switch as soon as that goal that goal happened. And whilst United didn't do anything special after that. There was a control and Sunderland immediately began to look far less less dangerous going forward. Yeah. What did you make of that red card? I still don't know. I've seen replays from two angles. One, it looks like a quite a nasty over you know, over the top studs up challenge, and the other one it looks like he didn't touch him and it wasn't you know, it was just a, it was just probably just the yellow card. So I can't really I can't really decide. I think if that had been the United player who'd been sent off for that, I'd be a bit pissed off, to be honest. But I, I saw from, you know, Twitter lots of 
lots of people who are perhaps more intelligent than I seem to think that you know it was a quite dangerous challenge and it, it was very fortunate that Herrera's leg wasn't in the way but as, as I said as I said on Twitter um Herrera is is the absolute don at getting players sent off he, he's just <laughs> got the true. he's he's got the, the the baby face despite the fact he's really really schneid he's got that the hand in the air he always goes for the hand in the air when he thinks there's been a bad tackle and he makes a terrible cry and he works his magic and it was a red card whether it was a red card or not Xander, Xander is amazing. Yeah, I mean, the argument seemed to be that because he had, uh, you know, gone over the ball and studs up, that you know, obviously it was a dangerous challenge. I think perhaps what the red card has been given more for is the potential to do major damage as opposed to the damage it actually did. And in that sense, I can understand why Sunderland players and fans were a bit aggrieved. But if there's been some sort of communication after the Wales Island game, you know, after Seamus Coleman's tackle just to be more wary of those and trying to stamp out that sort of challenge, and Larson is potentially a casualty of that, then there's not really too much of an argument that you can make for it. But at the same time, as you said there, had that happened to us, I would have struggled to swallow that one and say that was a just red card. But, you know, at the same time, given Sunderland's situation, that did kill the game off, and there it was, you know, and it wasn't necessarily much more to write home about in that first half, and the game was done barely a minute into the second half. Lovely goal from Mkhitaryan. Definitely helped that it was, was it Jason Denaire, I think it was, who basically just stood off him and allowed him to casually tiptoe into the area. And Mkhitaryan just casually rifled one home into the bottom corner. Yeah, it was bizarre. He, uh, from the kickoff to the goal, 16 passes, Sunderland didn't touch the ball. I bet Van Hall would have loved that goal. Oh, he would. When, when, um, when the ball fell to Mkhitaryan, there, there wasn't another United player on the screen. And there were five or six Sunderland players. But as you say, Denai just sat off him and you know it was a really 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 good finish I mean he had to hit that very accurately and very powerfully across the keeper to get that in the far corner you know again it, it's it's another player that Marino's brought in who I think is significantly better than the alternatives we have and who can be a part of a I think of a successful team and although his finishing has suffered as others have in this season I think he he's certainly one of our more reliable players in front of goal and I, th- I think that was a very high class goal again which I don't think many of the other players on the pitch would have scored so and, and as, a, as, a, as a contest I mean I think it was already dead but that completely finished it yeah that was the final nail in the coffin for sure great goal for him and considering that he's had a, a slightly inauspicious uh, few months or so it was nice to see him get back in amongst the goals as it was Rashford four or five half decent opportunities to counter attack and finally we took one towards the end I mean to be fair it was mentioned uh, Zlatan had been trying to set uh, Rashford up in that second half and there was almost a chance for uh, Martial to clip one over Pickford but he didn't quite uh, get the, the right contact and Pickford was able to pick it out of the sky but yeah lovely to see Rashford bury that once uh, uh, Ibrahimovic has sent him up as, as mentioned his first league goal since September first goal since uh, Blackburn I think it was in the fifth round of the FA Cup so yeah Zatan clearly cared about that you know he, he was he was hoping to see him get back in amongst the goals and it will do Rashford some good. It, you know, it's a confidence booster. And to be fair, Mourinho has been, you know, called to, you know, brought to task and called into question numerous times this season for his handling of players. Publicly, at least, he seems to be handling Rashford quite well and saying, you know, he's a young lad. He's clearly got the talent. He doesn't need any extra pressure from me. He just needs support. And yeah, spot on. I don't see anyone at United, any sort of fan or anything, asking for too much from Rashford or putting too high expectations on him. I think everyone has been calm and clear about what we can expect from him this season. You know, it's been awkward with him because he's been significantly shoved out uh, onto the left or the right. And then 
often on the bench and his finishing and his confidence has suffered as a as a result of that you know he's not the only one we've seen it with you know roughly over half the squad who have suffered that exact same fate and with Rashford we know we've got a special player on our hands so I don't necessarily get the sense that there has been unbearable amount of pressure and and a burden placed on him in order to continue to you know improve and flourish which has been really good you know I don't want to essentially we want to be really careful of not burning him out and situations like that where he's been out of the goals for a little while to see him come back into it and score will do him the world of good I feel a bit differently about this than you, I think. Okay, go on then. There's been a lot of inconsistency in the way that Mourinho's handled certain players this season. I appreciate that, that there may be judgment calls in terms of psychology that he's taking with that. But we've seen, obviously Rashford didn't start today, we've seen Rashford struggle for a large part of the season playing on the left wing and I don't think he put in a single really high-class performance on that left-hand side in, what, I don't know, maybe 20 league games since he since he last scored and play, played well there. As opposed to certain other players, he has just been relentlessly praised and relentlessly played, whether he's played well or not. And the reality is he hasn't played well. And the times we've seen him play well have been as an impact substitute, as he was today. And I think he's, at the stage of his development that he's at, I think he would be better served by being used primarily in that role because... You know, his pace and his trickery is a real problem for, you know, defenders who are tired. It's There's some interesting quotes from, from Mourinho, which this week I think we'll talk about a bit more later. But he has specifically said that he's played the young players this year, but that he doesn't necessarily feel they're ready to be played regularly and that he needs to buy better players. And I wouldn't be surprised at all if Rashford and co found themselves on the substitute bench next season but I just don't I see this contradiction and and people have said to me well I think he likes Rashford because he works hard or he follows instructions very very well but it hasn't brought performances and it consistently hasn't brought performances as a starter whereas we've seen players like Vitarian and Martial balled out for one or two poor games and dropped and when it's clear to anybody who watches them that they're probably far more ready to play those roles than someone like Rashford is. And then we've got obviously got the case of Luke Shaw, which is which is incredibly complex and difficult because obviously he's played today, he's played I thought he played very well. Yeah, me too. But we've gone from a position where maybe ten days ago, ten or twelve days ago, Mourinho's saying that he's an absolute mile of everybody else. An absolute mile. He's miles behind him in every every facet of his game and that's why he wasn't playing, wasn't getting in squads. And then there's this supposed meeting the following day between Shaw and the manager. And suddenly Shaw is good enough and ready to play. And, you know, after that after that last game, I think Mourinho's, what Mourinho said about about how he was Shaw's brain when he came on as a substitute against uh, Everton, he was Shaw's brain and Shaw was the body. And the way he said it, I thought that was quite nasty. I don't think it was necessary. And, and it just, it seems like he's really gone to town on Shaw. And we don't know what's happened behind closed doors. And I know there is some suggestion that Shaw doesn't always help himself in terms of his application. Hmm. But there's just there's just been a really nasty edge to the way that he's dealt with him. And there's been a bit of a nasty edge to sometimes the way he's dealt with other players. And I just can't see how it's been that productive for Shaw or for Mkhitaryan or for Martial, the way that they've been treated this season. And and, and as you say, on the flip, you have you have Rashford, who 
literally can do no wrong in 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 Mourinho's eyes, no matter how he plays. He could be awful, and Mourinho won't say anything. I don't know what it is. I don't know whether it's that Mourinho feels a pressure to play a young player every game, and Rashford has the advantage of being a youth product from the academy, and it's a way of not keeping the fans on side, but keeping a promise that he made before, you know, when he first took over. Or if it is just a case of he follows instructions to the letter and that's more important than performance and doing something special in the game. I don't know. I'd... Well, look, I mean, how many times this season have we seen Mourinho pick someone ahead of a player that we would <laughs> say it might be a better fit or see a formation that might be accommodating of more talented players and we've seen something more functional. You know, this is not necessarily yeah. a new thing for us. This is why Fellaini is at the team to a certain extent, and Schneiderlin and Schweinsteiger, who you would probably argue are superior in a number of facets, have gone out of the club. Again, I think I think I trust Mourinho to to move on players that need to be moved on and and to sign better players. That's good. You know, we've, we had over, we, we've spoken about this before, and it's you know it's become more apparent. This this has been a disappointing season, even with the League Cup victory. You know, in terms of how we performed in the Premier League. This has been a really disappointing season. And I think there's sometimes a bit of rose-tinted spectacles in terms of our performances as well. Because I don't think we've played exceptionally well more than a couple of times in the last two months. And so whilst in theory we've been more attacking, I don't think we've played very well for quite a while. Um, I think the Watford home game was the last time that I thought we really went to town on somebody. And this comes back to, you know, Mourinho has made a lot of strange calls in terms of team selections and quite quite a lot of the time it hasn't come off. Mm. And, you know, it's just this this last couple of weeks I've started, started to think, and I didn't like the stuff about Shaw, even if even if Shaw hasn't been, it hasn't been helping himself. I just, I just feel like he's not getting the best out of players that we know can be better. We know Rashford can be better. We know Martial can be better. We know Shaw can be better. We know oh, Mkhitaryan God, can be better. There's any argument whatsoever to say that Mourinho has failed to get the best out of players that we know can do better. You know, the fact that for all his faults, Van Gaal managed to get a lot out of Martial and Rashford but basically be letting them be two of the only players in the entire United side last season who were basically told to go and do whatever they wanted. You know, they had freedom. Obviously, they got criticism when things didn't come off, but for the most part, they did, which is why they were allowed a certain degree of freedom. In this United side, that doesn't necessarily feel the same. And there does seem to be a pattern where the likes of Mkhitaryan, Martial and Rashford have really struggled for consistency all season for one reason or another. And that is something that does have to change if United are going to become a more successful team under Mourinho. Whether or not that will be with different players, that remains to be seen. But there is definitely a case to say by far, there's no argument whatsoever to say that Mourinho has failed to con- at least consistently get the best out of our more attacking players. I mean, maybe we'll see that improve, maybe we won't, don't know. But yeah, mentioning what you were saying there about Luke Shaw, that was a pretty encouraging hour. So hopefully that will be a corner turned, we'll see. I mean, there was a there was an excellent piece of work, uh, he combined really well with Zlatan. Zlatan sent him down uh, the byline and pulled a really, really great cross back for Fellaini, he couldn't quite tap it in. He was under a fair bit of pressure. He is clearly so much more of an attacking threat than Daly Blind or Matteo Darmian. You know, obviously, Darmian is a right-back playing at left-back, so obviously he's going to offer more threat. But as far as the handling of Shaw goes, obviously we don't know everything that happens, but there has been enough evidence in today's game and in that substitution appearance against Everton to suggest that if Shaw can play like this, then he should stay in the starting lineup. 
in Mourinho's first choice starting lineup in terms of what he has now. Whether that will change in the summer if Mourinho wants to bring someone else remains to be seen. You know, I would guess at this point his mind might already be made up about Shaw with another what f- five or six weeks left to go of this term. We'll have to well, see. You could, you could, you, we can see it. Car- Castles is um, is reporting that that Mourinho wants a, another left back. Now that wouldn't shock <clears> whatsoever. That doesn't that doesn't mean the end for sure. It may be maybe a, uh, a left back and sure compete for that position next season. No, oh, for playing the Europa League, it might be quite useful. Well, yeah, hey! exactly. well, no, precisely. But um, you, you could see the advantages that Shaw has compared to any of our other options at left back. I mean, there's, yeah. there's Rocco is just a shambles of a left back. He, there's, there are no positive qualities about him in that position at all. He's just a disaster. Daly Blint doesn't have the pace or the physicality to really bomb on down that left hand side, and Darmian is a right back playing left back who has no left foot. So, and as we saw today, Shaw has 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 pace. He has physicality. He has a left foot, and he can cross. And if he can, if he can bring all those assets together then we really do have a very very useful left-back with a lot of potential. Going back to the wider picture, I've started worrying the last few weeks that we're seeing some of the things which people had warned us about. And we're coming towards the end of the season, and I don't feel that any of our young players from last season have even maintained the levels they had last season under Mourinho. And those the, the quotes that I, I mentioned to you earlier, he was talking about, um, again, about, about playing those those young players, and he was talking, using an analogy with Renato Sanchez at Bayern, and he was basically saying that Renato Sanchez has gone there, but he's got a lot to learn. Bayern need to win games straight away, and they can't just throw him in all the time, so he's been a substitute a lot. And he was basically saying, these young players are all great. I've had to play them because I've got nobody else, but I need to. But the next season, I'll be bringing in better players who will lift the quality of the in those positions. The concern is really, I think, he's almost tolerating them or. You know they've been to a degree sidelined, and he's intending to buy better players next season. And what what he basically said was, with young players, even though they're young, I need performances from them straight away to keep them in the team. If they can't give me performances, then I'm not going to play them unless I really, really have to. So there were just there were just little things that that people warned us about. You know, when you get a new manager, you don't you want to think about all of the positives. And there's a certain cult around Mourinho as well. And so you tend to drown out all the words of warning. And we did that about LVG as well, to be fair. And that there were just there were just a few things that started to concern me a little. Yeah, I, th- I think my, my concern is that we've just not caught, we've not got from Mourinho some of the things we thought we were going to get to this point. Because this season can still be rescued by a Europa League win. And we'll, all, we'll, we'll finish the season on a positive note. But there just are these things that concern me. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think that if we were in the top four and had been in there for the last few months, then it would be easier to dismiss what you mentioned there. Um, unfortunately, we are not in the top four, and perhaps by the time Monday night is out, we'll be down to sixth again, depending if Arsenal can beat Palace. It's kind of the knock-on effect of knowing that things aren't necessarily as they should be at United, or not necessarily as encouraging or as positive as we expected them to be you know because at the start of this season we were thinking well you know a tilt at the title seems like a a genuine viable option for this season that's maybe what we should be looking at and we fell beyond that a long long time ago so that's a pretty big strike and given the fact that we are again struggling to get into the top four and we've passed up several opportunities in order to actually get in there that that does make this season a particularly difficult one to stomach because it's nowhere near 
what we expected. Now, even if you take the league title out of the equation, you're still thinking top four is kind of the minimum in terms of what we should be expecting from this team in the Premier League. Obviously, if we manage to win the Europa League, then that changes things significantly depending on where we finish. But that's a big ask. You know, you've got another five games if you want to win that competition, and it'll be stretching on until the end of May. So <laughs> that is a big, big operative that there are no guarantees in cup competition are there you have to have one bad day and, you, and you're done there's nobody terrifying in that draw but there's nobody who are chumps either we could go and have a terrible off day in belgium on thursday and they could stick a couple of goals past us and we're, we're chasing the second league already this is true i mean a couple of the bits and bobs about the sunderland game i'm not trying to get too negative but it's one of those things where the management just befuddles me a little bit two nil up against sunderland with 40 minutes left to go Sunderland clearly weren't coming back into that game. You know, it was clear that at that point we were going to do quite well on the counter-attack considering how stretched Sunderland were. It just seemed like the perfect time to take Zlatan off. If he's, you know, if we're thinking this has got to be the first choice lineup, the strongest team to go and play Anderlecht on uh, Thursday night, take Zlatan off. You know, <laughs> what necessarily was he going to be able to do? I'm all right, you set up Rashford's goal, but his passing in that second half was pish. You know, it was not good. He was just strolling about, wasn't he? He was just you know, playing a half-assed. Yeah, bringing in Rash- Martial and Rashford in that second half would have potentially... would It will have created more. You know, I'm going to stick my neck out. We would have created more with a bit more pace on the counter than we would have done with Zlatan. I'm not necessarily saying that I don't love the fact that he scored 28 goals for us this season because considering how we have struggled to score goals, that is mental. But still, it's one of those situations where you're just thinking, well, if... Mourinho can't talk about scheduling and problems and the fact that he needs to manage Slatan or our most talented players when he's given options to take them off and reasons to take them off when games are comfortable. And that's not happened so much this season. Sunday was a perfect opportunity to rest a couple of players who might have been a little bit tired and it wasn't taken, which means that his number of excuses, if things do all fall apart between now and the end of the season, are not necessarily going to wash particularly well. I suppose the counter to that would be that he's talked about centre forwards and goal scoring this week, and he's, uh, yes. as, a, as I'm sure most of the listeners know, he's he's spoken specifically about Javi Hernandez as an example, saying that he wouldn't have sold him. Yeah. Now, now, how much of that do you think is him playing a very subtle game, and how much do you think that was just name just just dropping a name randomly into conversation? Neither outcome would surprise me. Either <clears throat> either it was just a, a very good example of the t- you know Hernandez is a very good example of the type of player that we've really missed and I don't think we can argue about that we have you know Hernandez would have had 15 20 goals this season in this team you know the number of times we've seen crosses across the 6 yard box or you know pullbacks then there's nobody there and that's his thing you know the ball bouncing around Hernandez is there to knee it in off his or slam it in off his own face or something you know <laughs> that was a remarkable <laughs> it, it was dude, it was a brilliant goal <laughs> So on the one hand, it may just have been that it was a very good analogy. He's a good example of the type of player that he wants. But on the other hand, it wouldn't remotely surprise me because Hernandez isn't having a great second season at Leverkusen and would be a relatively cheap pickup for a player who I don't think would necessarily expect to start every single week. Hmm. And and I know it horrified quite a few people on on social media, but um, that wouldn't surprise me either. And, And for a very reasonable fee, which would allow us to spend more heavily in other areas I don't think that would be the worst deal in the world although I do think that Mourinho passes the buck on a lot of things I think he is right that that we have desperately missed that type of player this season so going back to what we're saying about Zlatan 
I wonder if he looked at that game as an opportunity to try and get a few more goals to boost confidence further, to just improve that goal difference a bit, just to just to pick yeah. everybody up before Thursday. And I don't think he he sees another player in the squad who is prolific enough to achieve that. And so to agree, I wonder if he left him on because he wanted more goals and he doesn't doesn't trust anyone else to do that. I mean, I think you look at the league table this evening. I'm going to look at the league table right now. That's what I'm going to do. Do it, Ewan. Yes, Arsenal will be playing tomorrow. They've got a goal difference of uh, plus 25. So have City. Liverpool's is plus 28. We've got two games in hand of Liverpool and one over City. So if we win those two games in hand, which are away at City and uh, away to Southampton, if I'm correct in thinking, yeah. that would potentially shove us into the top four. But it would, most, it would require a six-goal swing in those two games to get close to Liverpool's goal difference. So yeah, I mean, people have mentioned as well that it's it's a positive result today against Sunderland to be chucked back into the race for the top four. And they're not nah. necessarily 100% wrong. I think the thing is, because you know we've got eight games left of this season, there's just a lack of trust in United's ability to get the job done. You know, the one thing you can say, if we're going to talk positives... Because, you know, it, it, it's been a pretty good day. You know, we beat David Moyes. You know, we helped to relegate Sunderland, who are generally a, a bad bunch of folk. So that's not the end of the world. <laughs> you know, our, our league form, our away league form, is really good. You know, we, we've uh, we've won seven and drawn two of our last nine Premier League away games. It was also mentioned. Now, this is dating back two months to when we beat Leicester over at the KC Stadium. So take this with a little bit of a pinch of salt. But we scored three-plus goals in three consecutive away matches for the first time since November of 2012, Richard. This, come, this comes back to our biggest issue this season, doesn't it, which is breaking down a, a mass defence, a, a compact defence. You know, teams come to Old Trafford and sit very deep and compact, and every team that gets a draw just encourages the next one to do the same. And we don't seem to have the attacking nous and finishing quality to to break those teams down the one issue is missing that player who can, who can score the sort of clinical goals and the other is whether we feel that the team are drilled enough in an attacking sense which is which is a wider issue I mean what will be interesting just speaking about Zlatan is just I can see this one knowing him and the situation uh, this this is going to drag out for a while so I don't think we're going to get confirmation about where his future lies next season until this one is done you know I think he would be hesitant to pledge himself to the club for another season uh, without the assurance of Champions League football and that could not <laughs> there's a chance that might not happen until the end of May if we get to the Europa League final so I think it's going to be a while until we know what's happening with United up front next season so that'd be an interesting one to see You know, in terms of Fernandes I would be pretty happy to see him back under Mourinho I'm not necessarily sure I'd be completely over the moon for it you know i like his little pea face but at the same time he left under a big cloud and was uh, <laughs> quite the stroppy mare by the time he did leave the the classic moment of him in the post ferguson landscape is that you know that look that van hal gave Giggs when he missed that open goal or missed i know it was missed the penalty wasn't it against club bruges and that champions league qualifier tie <laughs> if, if, a, if a gift could speak a thousand words that was the one but yeah, I mean, if, if Hernandez would be absolutely great in the system, you know, he knows how to finish chances. And I think potentially in a team that is geared towards creating chances, which we have arguably been on several occasions this season, he could fit in very well. One more thing to mention from uh, this last week, Rich. Uh, new contract for Jesse Lingard. It's been uh, rather oddly received by the club's fan base, hasn't it? Yeah, I, I think 
whilst people tended to focus on the number, the amount that he's supposedly earning, which seems to be somewhere between 75,000 and 100,000 pounds a week, I think it more reflected the fact that deep down a lot of people don't necessarily think he's good enough to be playing for United, which I think is is a little harsh. I think he's he's a really good squad option for us. English players are in a very strong position at the moment because of the recent changes with homegrown players and with Brexit coming, there are likely to be further restrictions on, on foreign players. So they're in a very strong negotiating position and ultimately United needed to keep to keep hold of him. And so um, Mourinho kind of alluded to the fact that a lot of the young players were getting very big deals now, really for that very reason. I think overall we should be grateful that he's staying and he signed a new deal. And you know, I, I think I mentioned on Twitter there's a wider issue with the amount that United pay a lot of their players in general and that we're not really getting value for money. But I think I think in terms of Lingard and him being English, and if you bear in mind that a lot, you know, a number of our other English players are ones who really could be looking over their shoulders as to whether they'll even be staying at the club this summer, I think it was important to get him tied down. I mean, you mentioned uh, just on Twitter there, United are top of the, uh, the Premier League in terms of the wage bill, but there should be perhaps deeper questions asked of the fact that we are top in terms of the amount we play our, you know, pay our players but sixth in the league table. So perhaps that's far more of a worrying thing to consider than, you know, paying Jesse Lingard, a 23, 24-year-old Englishman, 100 grand a week. I mean, that's not necessarily out of you know scope with how many of our top players are paid, or at least sort of our mid-range options. I mean, how much is Ashley Young on a week? And he barely plays. So there's that to consider. I think what I found quite surprising was kind of the misreading of the situation saying they're surprised that he got a new four-year deal really shouldn't really be any surprise whatsoever you know Mourinho has clearly favoured him on many occasions and given the choice between him and Martial over the last few months he is more often than not plump for Lingard I'm not necessarily saying he's a better player but again looking for uh, Mourinho to pick the player that he thinks he can get the most out of and is offering perhaps the most consistency if not you know the uh, most attacking talent and you know if we're going to talk about Lingard's contributions over the last couple of seasons goal in a league cup final winning goal an extra time in the FA cup final you know arguably the best single moment that United have experienced since Sir Alex Ferguson retired is all down to him pretty much and I'm not necessarily saying that that should be enough to get you set up for the next four years of your career but I don't think it's just about that. I think Lingard has done enough to suggest that he has some role to play in this United side going forward. And that is not to say that he should be on the starting line in the starting lineup every single week for the entirety of that contract. But he's done enough to suggest that he should stay at the club this season and next and following on from that. And, you know, the the lack of quality argument is one that I understand to an extent. But once it sort of starts getting into, you know, him as a person, the fact that he dabs, that's when I just kind of you know, start my <laughs> yeah. eyes, just start glazing over and roll back into my skull. Because I just don't care. You know, he is a fun dude and I like him. And he scores great goals. Just ugh, enough. Anyway, looking ahead to uh, Thursday uh, against Anderlecht and then Chelsea on Sunday, Richard. Not necessarily seen anything to suggest that we have got too much to trouble the uh, champions-elect on Sunday. Uh, but in terms of the Europa League tie, what will you expect to see from United and Mourinho? 
I think our last two away games in champ in the in the Europa League have been quite mature performances. You um, almost said Champions League. Though, I did almost say Champions League in France. I thought particularly we were we were very very um, very very well drilled, very uh, very calm, and we we negotiated that game incredibly well in what is a very difficult stadium and atmosphere to play in. Mm. And then in Rostov we had the appalling pitch, and they're a team who have <clears throat> given trouble to. Bayern and Atletico and PSV and Ajax this season and I think we made certainly whether whether they just played poorly but we we made them look pretty pretty poor and we we were disappointed not to have won that game I think on that pitch as well um and so I I think we've got particularly with our um our Premier League form as well I think we've got good reason to think we can go there and win if we do the same things that we've done in the last two rounds away from home I don't think that Anderlecht are a pushover, but I think they're probably the second best team we could have drawn of the seven that we could have played against in this round. If we perform to the level that we can, we should be winning this tie. And then we're more likely to play somebody who can test us more in the next round. But as I said before, all we have to do is go there and have an off day, have a bad game. And we're two two goals down going to the home leg and in real trouble. So I don't think we can count our chickens, but we can certainly go there and get a result. Sure. I think for the most part, we have seen enough, just about enough to suggest that United play with a little bit less restriction and a bit more confidence in the Europa League than in the Premier League. You know, we've had some pretty good results at Old Trafford this season against uh, Feyenoord and Fenerbahce. Uh, and obviously, conversely, we've had some pretty bad ones at uh, Feyenoord and Fenerbahce. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be a very interesting one to judge. You know, I think... The mutterings coming out of the club since the draw against, uh, well, the draws against Everton and West Brom suggest that Europa League is viewed as the the most viable option in terms of getting Champions League football, which is what it's all about for the rest of the season. Obviously, winning a, a trophy that we've never won before would be fantastic, but it, it's also a, a huge step to the Champions League, which is what you know. This is the bare minimum that most people were expecting for this season. And again, you know, you mentioned the League Cup. Great to have won that, but that was back in February. So we need to do more now to make sure that we can add something along the League Cup victory to make sure the season's been a success. The game against Chelsea, considering that, uh, you know, there's there's nothing going to stop them now. I mean, they've got a seven-point lead over Spurs, and, you know, I, I think all of us are very cautious about counting our chickens before they've hatched with a lead like that in the Premier League, considering what we've been through in the last decade. But still, you know, it'd be, I'd be very, very surprised if Chelsea shut that away. It'd be interesting to see how Mourinho plays that one. You know, he's lost in rather trying circumstances to Chelsea both times this season. And, you know, whatever he may say publicly, privately, his pride must have taken a real battering for most defeats. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he manages that one. And obviously that'll fall within the away leg and the home tie against Anderlecht. So we may see some rather big changes there as we prioritise the cup competition over domestic duties. So, you know, it might be a backs against the wall job and try and hit one on the counter and save Zlatan for the home leg four days later. We'll have to see. Anyway, Rich, superb company as always. Thank you very much for joining me, bud. Enjoy a wonderful week. Thank you kindly, so and you. No worries, bud. Guys, thank you very much for listening. As always, don't forget, you can get us all over the interwebs. You can get Rich at RichardCan76. You can get me at at Ewan Lennox. You can get the pod at Red Voices MUFC and also www.redvoices.net. 
we will be back most likely after the Chelsea game next week. So make sure you guys all take care till then. Cheerio. 